Awesome. What up, what up? I am Mike, and welcome to Keep the Kayfabe. Another week of wrestling come has come and gone. We do that again. That fucking sucked. All right. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to talk about wrestling come. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. All right, here we go. Sounds like some sort of Jake the Snake story. <laughs> yeah. All too true. <laughs> Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. And what's it gonna do? It doesn't matter how you're doing. Woo! Wheel of Dealing. Living the life. Jet flag. Can you dig it, dig it, sucker? Would you please shut the hell up? You don't know what hard times are, daddy. The queen will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Look at my new one, Rumble. What up, what up? Welcome to Keep the Kayfabe. I am Mike coming to you here from Milwaukee, sitting here with my friends. Let's start with Steve Grobschmidt, who always keeps it regal. How are you doing, Steve? Hey, yo. Good to see you, buddy. Always good to see you guys. And freshly squeezed down in Bayview is Mr. Matt Michelson. Oh, yeah. The Macho Man's back, baby. He is back. And he does not disappoint. It's good to see you guys. And uh, was really excited to jump on here for our, is it fifth episode now or fourth? Fourth. I think it's our fourth Four. episode. This four point. time, four time, four time. They just fly by. Now yeah. we can put our fingers up like the four horsemen. Yeah. Or for life. Awesome. Yep. Well, as you all know, it was a big weekend in wrestling. AEW's uh, top show, All Out, took place. Uh, the fellows and I did our predictions last week and uh, billed it for a great show, and it turned out to be pretty fun. I'm excited to hear what you all thought. I mean, there was still there was some holes in the ship, I thought. There were some scary moments. There were some exciting moments and a lot of stuff that moved the story along. So um, what were your initial thoughts? Does anybody want to start? Yeah, I just uh, want to cut in by saying that I was extremely excited about Luchasaurus's victory in the Battle Royal. Um, did we call that one? <laughs> That's Matt. Yeah. yeah, you got to see Luchasaurus uh, without his mask on, and lo and behold, it's Lance Archer. So yeah. I yeah. learned something. Yeah, but we still get the victory in the picks. Well, maybe we should get this out of the way up top. So what do I win? Like, do I become, like, do I get a 20 for the record or do it since I picked Lance Archer to win it all do I just get one in the win column or should there be a bonus of maybe five I think I think you get one this isn't like playing horseshoes you don't get points because we lose points it's just you get a point what about if I actually had a wrestler what if I about if I actually had a wrestler in the casino royale does that get any bonus points ooh um, I I feel like I'm not going to allow it no, no, no. I agree with Steve. You guys could have picked one up there if you uh, if we would have had some bonus points for actually having wrestling. You know, in our defense, they didn't announce all the participants, so that's it's hard to predict something where they don't give you all the details. I seem to not have a problem because I did pick the Casino Royale winner. Maybe we let's, should start there. Let's talk, yeah, let's start there, and then we can talk later about the Mimosa Challenge and who picked what. <laughs> we'll get there. Fine. All right. <laughs> Well, let's go with the Casino Royale. Um, Lance Archer did become uh, the, the winner of the Casino Royale match uh, with special guest, 
Matt Seidel. Do you guys oh. know anything about this guy? Were you guys pumped? I really didn't know much. Uh, I've heard his name once before, and I honestly can't recall where. I want to say maybe Ring of Honor, but yeah, I saw him come out. Um, I actually saw the gifts online before I even saw the pay-per-view, yeah, um, yeah. which kind of spoiled it for me. And man, I, you know, I start. I I swear when I watched this, and even when I watched it like the full show, I started to have flashbacks to the Shockmaster because uh, I think this was sort of AEW's equivalent of that in terms of debuts. Yeah, that was really heartbreaking for anybody. I mean, I don't know much about him either, uh, to answer your first question. I I know the name well from, like, you know, podcasts and and radio shows and stuff. But to just see somebody come out and that happen, it's just your heart. It's like he had to be super pumped. It was his big moment, and that happened. And it's just like, oh, poor guy. Yeah, seriously, ultimate heartbreak. Come out all pumped, you know, super cocky. Did a really good knee strike to Sean Spears getting in he's got hughes on the mat and then boom he botches a shooting star and um (laughs) it was very funny and my favorite instagram follow on uh instagram is wrestlebotch so that's where i first saw it and that's where i first learned that he was the guest wrestler so shout out to wrestlebotch who did then a very fun series of a lot of botched shooting star presses but overall the casino battle royale what did you guys think of it i mean was it a little uh, unentertaining, a little too loose? Did you go one way or the other on it? Yeah, I mean, it was one of those matches where it was fine. I honestly couldn't tell you any specific spots from the match, having just watched it maybe a few hours ago um, as of the time of this recording. But yeah, other than that, I, I think it was okay. I think Matt Seidel's debut kind of just overshadowed the rest of the match for me. Right. Um, there was a couple eliminations that seemed really sloppy and clearly planned ahead. So I think between those two things for me, this match just kind of stunk up, you know, the rest of the show. Right. Yeah, I did. I, I, I'm starting to, as time goes on, with the possible exception of the Royal Rumble, I'm kind of over Battle Royals because it's just, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying they should never have them, but it's just, you know, by their nature, because you got multiple bodies in a ring, there's limited moves you can do. It tends right. to be like just, you know, they're just wailing on each other. Yeah, and it just felt a little clumsy and unnoteworthy. I mean, the whole thing was set up in hindsight for Archer and Cage to kind of have, you know, it was the showdown that was foreshadowed on us, Dynamite, and that part worked. But the rest of it was just kind of, eh, it wasn't, it wasn't great. Yeah, to that point, actually, if, if I was going to give it one good thing, I think they did. Um, Brian Cage looked amazing. There was a part where he gorilla pressed Billy Gunn, who is not a small person. No. Um, he's standing in the ring, even. He was, I think, maybe the same size, if not bigger than Brian Cage, which is crazy. Um, but Brian Cage was actually able to lift him over his head and just throw him out of the ring. So yeah. it made him look like a beast. It was a cool spot. I did like that. Um, but kind of like I said before, yeah, beyond that, it was a good match. People had their spots. Um, it was a good way to kill some time, I guess. Yeah, big time. Yeah, I'm not a fan of Battle Royales either. Ne- neither is old JR. He actually hates them. Battle Royales, they're probably the worst wrestling match ever. Everybody's doing their, doing their mumbo jumbo. And yeah, it is kind of a it's... waste of time. But I will take the victory of Lance Archer. You Thank do you earn, so you did earn that one. Yeah, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it's funny you say that about JR because, you know, I listen to his podcast, Shivani, Bischoff, all those guys. Shivani also is not a fan. And it's just funny that those guys are announcing a battle royale. They got to kind of put that aside. But yeah, it just yeah, turns right. out to be like a, you have to, like, especially when they're, everybody's in the ring, it's like everybody's just essentially kicking and punching each other because that's all you can do in that confined space. Yep. Right. And another big match on the car that had a lot of participants was the Dark Order and uh versus the nightmare family with scorpio sky and um matt cardona and uh the match ending with a schoolboy on colt cabana to for justin rhodes did a schoolboy on colt cabana for the nightmare family to beat the dark order i mean what a finish that was a schoolboy really yeah, this this match ending, I really liked the ending. Um, I think I've said on previous podcasts, I'm not a huge fan of Colt Cabana's wrestling, um, but I think they did a really good job with the ending, kind of just how he sort of played the loser that Mr. Brody Lee then turns on and gets all pissed off at. Yeah, he was the Yoko Ono of it. Exactly. It, it, <laughs> it, that, that's one way to put it, I guess. But yeah, no, for real though, th- this ending was really good. Um, the one thing that everybody's talking about from this match, unfortunately, isn't even the wrestling. Um, it was a comment JR made about Anna Jay and just wanting to see her in a certain state, let's say. Um, it, it's picked up a lot of press. So I had heard that before I watched this pay-per-view. Um, and it's interesting because as I was watching it, I honestly could have missed him even saying it it was i did yeah yeah it, i don't it was, even know what you guys are talking about um so i forget the exact wording but he basically said something about he wishes anna J had a war, wardrobe malfunction oh, um but but it Puppies? was it was in true jr jest and it was very quick and excalibur did a really good job of bringing it right back to the match um so it was just sort of sort of some filler humorous commentary um a lot of folks online are really upset about it, saying it was offensive. JR kind of apologized, but it was sort of a half-hearted apology. Kind of like, yeah, sorry, but whatever. You guys are overreacting to this. Um, yeah, so, lighten up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I apologize, but lighten up. <laughs> yeah, so so that's, to me, kind of the big thing that stuck out with this match, mostly because of just the reaction it's getting online. Um, but as far as the match itself goes, like I said, the ending was great. I think it did a good job teeing up Dustin Rhodes for a TNT title match. So we'll yeah, see I like that. that. Goes. Yeah, to kind of avenge his brother. I think that's nice. I think it's, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, that that, episode, that that match, if I was being critical, felt like a dynamite match. But mm-hmm. it served a purpose, and it tells the story. And, you know, it tells two stories. One, Dustin getting, you know, getting a chance to redeem his brother who's out. And the whole next chapter of the uh, Colt Cabana thing, and like you know, now Brody Lee is all ticked off at him, and it's like, where are they gonna go with that? Is he is he out? Is he gonna? Oh yeah, the evil Uno is like comforting him, and like <laughs> that part was weird too. I kind of like right. that because that just added another weird aspect to it. They yeah. are a, they are like the onion of the AEW, just so many layers to the Dark Order yes. that you just don't <laughs> understand unless you peel them all back, and you just have to keep watching week to week. I really like watching uh, Scorpio Sky in this. I mean, that dude is so damn athletic, it's not even funny. Yeah, he's uh, great. Yeah. I could see that guy, you know, just go for 40 minutes straight and just not even break a sweat. Yeah. Kind of like uh, Thunder Rosa against <laughs> Sheeta, because wow, do we need some Thunder Rosa in AEW? That chick is seriously badass. And that what I tell you, 
I, you said it, Steve. I'll let you do the honors and let you talk about it first. Yeah, you know, girl. I had super high expectations for that match, and I was not disappointed. In fact, I would say, I want to say as the match of the night, but man, that 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 tag team title match was just outstanding. But I, but anyway, I would have gotten a bonus point if you would have said it was a match of the night, even though we didn't uh, I don't really think, lay down the yeah, actual stipulations. For yeah, that. I don't. Th- I don't think we. My record is too good right now. Yeah, I think the bonus points are like points in whose line is it anyway? They don't matter. Um, <laughs> You're right. Go ahead. Sorry. Uh, that's all right. No, I, I, that match did not disappoint. I thought it was outstanding. And I really think, I don't know what the future, now I'm hearing NWA is like talking about ramping back up. I still mm-hmm. kind of hope they work out some deal because that women's division needs people like Thunderosa. It brought out the best in Sheeta. Um, that was, you know, she's now back to, as far as I'm concerned, back to back two of the best matches in that division, you know, we mm-hmm. match card to card. Um, yeah, it was just great. And uh, I didn't really think she was going to win, but it, it, it hooked you. You know, you, you kind of got caught in the moment there, like, oh, maybe she is going to pull it off. But, uh, yeah, I, th- that match was outstanding, I thought. Yeah, I agree. And for those of you who listened to our last episode, Steve had talked about Thunder Rosa a little bit. And I went into watching this pay-per-view just remembering that. And, Steve, to your credit, yeah, uh, Thunder Rosa really is uh, a talented women's wrestler. Um, the match, in in my opinion, I think the match went a little too long. I had glanced at the time at one point, and I think it was a little over 20 minutes. So given just the number of different things they did, or I should say the number of different things they didn't really do. Um, I thought it went a little long. Had it been a little bit shorter, I think it would have been good. Um, but yeah, it was very obvious that Thunder Rosa is on another level, um, at least it compared to a lot of the women in AEW's women's division. So I felt like almost I was watching more of an NXT women's match, which is meant to be a total compliment. I, yeah. I think NXT does a great job with their women's division. So hats off to them. Um, but yeah, in this particular match, I think Thunder Rosa did a really good job. There was a lot of new moves, new things, and it's a new character. So it's, you know, you kind of go in not knowing what to expect. And even if it's a little bit better than what you'd hoped, it's still great. I know uh, Thunder Rosa is dominating this conversation and it would be like she would win, but Sheeta did in fact win the match. But like you guys, what I was watching was Thunder Rosa totally dominating the match and actually carrying the match, I believe. It looked like Sheeta was a little stiff Thunder Rosa is a specimen of a human being. I think the only bad thing I can say about her is she doesn't sell enough that she's actually tired. It looked like she could have went out there and wrestled for probably another 40 minutes to a, like an iron woman match because she, I mean, she was on her feet, ready to go every spot. She looked mentally prepared. You know, she probably was very nervous going into this being an AEW, like this is a big, big match, but she looked, hands down the most prepared wrestler on that on the card for the entire evening came in there did her job executed everything to a team made it look good and honestly if wwe was smart they should try to snatch up thunder rosa in a heartbeat because can you imagine a thunder rosa match versus a charlotte flair match at a hundred percent like i would love to see that someday and i mean becky lynch is gone um they just don't really have a lot for Oscar to wrestle in WWE right now either. So I think Thunder Rosa is the most valuable free agent that's on the market right now if NWA doesn't get uh, I think revitalized. I think um, 
Thunder Rosa's in her mid thirties, so I don't know that this would work out. But I would much be I'd be much more open to her joining the WWE after Vince is dead because um, yeah. I just don't I don't know that they use her right. I just think I was gonna ask how old she was. She's thirty four. Um, so I just yeah I just yeah I don't know I don't have the confidence that WWE would handle her correctly. They just feed her to Charlotte or uh, Becky, and she'd lose probably, and that'd be the end of it. Yeah. Well, I didn't say she would use them correctly. But <laughs> yeah, no, I rather smart. If they're smart, they if they're smart yes. I but I I really hope AEW works it out and signs her. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and something that was not smart to do was fall off a cherry picker uh, oh. in the Broken Rules mass. Uh, um, excuse me, match uh, Matt Hardy versus Sammy Guevara. We didn't cover this in. Uh, last episode we didn't predict on it but um it was added uh wednesday night to be in saturday's pay-per-view it was a broken rules match and man that was scary uh sammy guevara kind of did a rock bottom and just overshot these two tables that were beneath a a cherry picker or escalator whatever you want to call it he probably fell maybe 15 10 feet and Matt Hardy hit his head on the back of the concrete, the back of his head on the concrete. Aubrey Edwards got in there and did her job, threw up the X right away. They got a doctor over there, but because they weren't actually in the ring, I think it was uh, harder for a doctor to get there as quickly and just to see how bad the situation looked. And when Sammy picked Matt off of the concrete and like they tried to keep going, I mean, he was just, he was gone. He had some yeah. Bambi legs and, um, Scary stuff, guys. Yeah, yeah, Bully Ray was talking about it on uh, Busted Open. I didn't listen to the whole show yesterday, but he was saying that that was a man that's bell was wrong and he was just on pure instinct. You could tell he Oof. was not right. Big time. Yeah, I agree. I, so I heard about this one again before watching it. Um, so I kind of knew what I was going into, but even when you're prepared for it and you've heard the stories, um, you know, it's one of those things where when you actually see it, it's kind of scary. Um, you know, the it was obviously a big bump. They fell, Mike, like you said, yeah, I think it was probably about 10 to 15 feet off of the scissor lift. And the idea was Thank they you. were going to fall through a table or two tables, it might have been. Um, but they ended up overshooting the tables just a little bit and just enough where Matt Hardy's shoulders and the back of his head just were the first thing to land on the concrete. Um, and as the camera whipped around and you could see him laying there, he was clearly out. Um, you know, all the color from his face was gone. He was just not responsive. His eyes were closed. He wasn't selling anything. Um, I mean, it's funny because, well, it's not funny, but it's interesting how when you see someone doing something like that, it, it's so much different than someone actually selling pain. Like th- this was just, yeah. you could tell this was real immediately. Um, so like Steve said, Aubrey Edwards, she threw up the X. She did a good job. Um, as the match continued, though, uh, and Matt Hardy regained consciousness, you know, he and Sammy Guevara kind of start fighting each other. I kind of described it earlier to someone as like, it sort of looked like just a drunken brawl where nobody could land a punch. Um, and they kind of just kept falling on each other. So it, it just made it that much harder to watch. And thankfully, um, the doctors came in, security kind of pulled them apart. Like, okay, guys, yeah, that's enough. We're moving on from this. Um, and then it just got even weirder because, you know, a few minutes went by and then all of a sudden Sammy Guevara and Matt Hardy come out into the arena. Like they're still fighting somehow at this point. Um, and that's when it kind of really caught me off guard. Like, wait, they're going to let this keep going. Um, 
And then the rest of the match was pretty straightforward. They climbed some scaffolding, which that's another issue, I think, with the state that Matt Hardy was in. Um, and Sammy Guevara took a pretty big bump falling off the scaffolding through the stage. Um, and by the way, if you didn't know what broken rules were, in this case, it was just essentially a last man standing match. So yeah. Sammy Guevara falls through the stage, uh, doesn't get up before the 10 count. Matt Hardy ends up winning the match um, and looks to be okay at the end like he's sort of selling the fact that he won and he's you know kind of got his adrenaline going and things like that but yeah it was just really strange um after the match was over i guess tony khan tweeted and made a comment about how matt hardy had passed the concussion protocols and everyone did a really good job managing the situation and sort of uh applauded everything that happened but if you read any other tweets online, or even if you saw the match, you probably disagreed with him. Well, and, and Matt Hardy's wife, who's not afraid to speak her mind on Twitter, right, was like, that's a thousand percent a concussion. And she was all fired up. And uh, yeah, it just, I don't know. It's not a good look. I think I'm the biggest AEW fan, but they're not flawless. And I feel like this, when Cody took the purposeful like chair shot from... Um, from um, Sean Spears, I feel like they just skirt that line occasionally. And I know they're trying to be edgy in that, but I didn't have the as big a problem. I'm just kind of reacting to things I read. Because out of all the AEW shows, this was the most polarizing. It seemed like there were a lot of people unhappy with it. I think the length was like viewed as a negative. It was a pretty long show. And I guess, oh, this is something, I can't take credit for this. I've heard this online and stuff it was like 90 hundred some degrees and super humid. And I think it sapped the life out of both the crowd and the wrestlers. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess it was super oppressively humid. So I think there's a lot kind of <laughs> stacked up Working against, against it. it. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah there, was, there was a lot at play in this show. Um, and yeah, we'll keep going through some of the matches, but yeah, I think in general, the, the underlying theme is you had some really great matches and then you had some matches that just, stirred up a lot of controversy yeah <laughs> so and we'll get to right. hear more about some of those yeah i hope uh hope matt hardy uh is doing okay and he recovers um he claims he's gonna make a statement tomorrow on um on dynamite so we'll see awesome uh let's get to chris jericho versus orange cassidy in the mimosa mayhem match mm-hmm. my only match that i picked incorrectly i believe you guys picked Orange Cassidy. I went with Chris Jericho, even though I knew he was probably going to lose, but there's a little thing called loyalty to your favorite wrestler, something that he <laughs> still needs a little thing to learn about. You know, sometimes taking losses, it's, it's okay. You no, know, loyalty's a weakness. Lo- yeah, Mike, if, you, if you've ever seen Fast and the Furious, you know Vin Diesel says, it don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile, winning's winning. That's true. Second the great place profit. first lure, Vin Diesel. <laughs> And look at that hair on Vin Diesel lately, side note. But anyway, um, Jericho did get – hey, I was right, though, that you could submit a wrestler and you could pin a wrestler. And that I think the – like, having it be that normal match just made it kind of awkward from the jump a little bit, too. Um, Like, I thought Chris Jericho would win this match and go into the vat of Mimosa – but quite the opposite. He took the Superman punch off the top rope uh, from Orrin Cassidy, Cassidy and his big, beautiful, bloated, honey-baked ham body went splashing perfect bullseye into the batch of mimosa. You God, like to point out gorgeous. this bloated body every week. 
Dude, I just freaking love bloated Jericho. I mean, Y2J is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, and he's had so many different, like, he's like David Bowie of wrestling. He's reinvented himself so many times. But I think bloated Jericho, as I'm calling him, is my favorite Jericho. Because he just wants, yeah. Y2J to why so bloated. Yeah, this this was actually, so last week when we previewed this match, um, I knew nothing about it. And when you mentioned Mimosa Mayhem match, my initial reaction was kind of a laugh, like, <laughs> oh, wait, you're serious. This is an actual match on the show. Um, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so I only had a couple days to sort of get in the right mindset for this. If you haven't seen it, just the, the short takeaway from this is this was a really good match it was just kind of entertaining um you could not take it seriously at all there was a lot of good drama like there were so many moments where i was going oh no oh no they're gonna fall in oh no they're okay yeah and and you just think what would happen if their fingers slipped like every time they have matches like that or battle royals it's like when they're doing like the where they're barely holding out what you know it's hot and humid what if they just fell right (laughs) i know and and that's what made this match that much better is you never knew if they were going to accidentally slip or not so you just have to wait and see um the one thing i do want to mention about this match just aesthetically i really liked how they set up the vats of mimosa and set it up next to the ring i think they did a really good job with just the set um, and kind of the layout and the planning for this and i will mention the when they did put the mimosa in a glass it actually resembled uh, more like piss than Sheamus threw on Jeff Hardy in <laughs> WWE when they were having their feud. If you guys caught that, that was just my yes. little. Opinion. They might maybe they had some leftovers and they went to Vince and said, "Hey, you gonna you gonna need that? Yeah. Oh, that's our <laughs> piss. <laughs> oh, that's good piss. Yeah, right. A lot of people are hating this match online, and I, you know, it's Jericho. It's I fun. really think he's just creating these matches to entertain himself and make himself laugh, and you know, he's just he's doing his thing, and I love it. Not every match yeah. is going to be a five star in the Tokyo Dome Dave Meltzer match, you know. It's like sometimes it's just entertainment. Right. Well, this is why I wanted to bring it up um, too. I thought it was the perfect match placement because it was in between. FTR versus Hangman Page, who yep. wrestled their bags off, and then it was in between MJF and Moxley. So you kind of need a buffer match because that's kind of a lot of the critiques from past uh, AEW all outs. They just stack so high and high and high, where the crowd is just literally exhausted. Be like, we can't cheer for every spot. Like this is a match where you could get up and go to the bathroom, be like, oh, Jericho's not in the most of bats yet. I can uh, probably go get a beer or go take a piss. It's kind of just a nice little buffer match too, where you don't have to think as hard and pay attention as heavily. It's just kind of, it's a good transition match. So totally. heads up to them. Totally. It's, I did like the way Jericho went into the mimosa too, um, with the punch from the, I think he was standing on like the second rope and sort of yep. flew backwards into the vat of mimosa. I was a little concerned when he did that, that he might've smacked his head on the edge of it as he was falling in, but he just, he timed it perfectly. It was perfect. The landing could not have been better. I even watched the replay a couple times to see how he landed. Oh, yeah. And yeah, hats off to him. Well played. Definitely. Um, as I mentioned earlier, it was right after FTR versus Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. Uh, we all picked uh, FTR to become the new AEW Tag Team Champions, and we were all correct. Boys, what a match this was, eh? Oh, it was great. Just outstanding. 
Yeah, FTR um, is just in the right place at the right time right now. Uh, AEW kind of needed this type of tag team. They had so many talented tag teams in it, for one thing. But there were so many uh, tag teams that just did these high-flying spots. I mean, Butcher and Blade, there are a lot of grapplers and shooters and stuff like that. But they kind of have their own look. This is just a really classic tag team that JR and Shivani love to bring up. Oh, this is just good old-fashioned wrestling practitioners and Tully. You know, it's just a good story. And it they is. deserve the belts on them. And now that they have the belts, I am so excited that Kenny Omega can do some singles work now. I totally agree. Um, yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth describing FTR and just comparing them to a lot of the other tag teams in AEW. And you're totally right. You think about teams like Private Party, um, and all these Lucha other groups brothers are, yep jurassic and, express and they just have these matches where high spot after high spot after high spot <laughs> um but ftr is great it's sort of a breath of fresh air you have this team that their gimmick used to be no flips just fists i don't know that they're about that as much anymore but i really liked this match because i feel like i can actually remember different segments of it and i think mm-hmm. part of the reasoning for that is because the way ftr does a great job structuring matches where they'll do blind tags and they'll purposefully cut off parts of the ring and do different things to kind of peel one tag partner away from the other and different heelish tactics to try and win the match um so you have these different like mental checkpoints throughout the match that you start to go, okay, yeah, that was this part. Now we're moving on to this part, um, which I don't honestly think a lot of other tag teams do enough of in AEW. So I'm really happy right. to see that they're now the tag team champions. Cause that just means that every tag title match we get from now on, at least for a little while um, is going to be structured, you know, in this kind of way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think I want to give honorable mention to, um, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page because you know I'm not, I'm inherently especially when you have all these tag teams not a fan of taking two singles guys and mashing them together in a tag team but those guys were great they were outstanding champions I mean again they they, they didn't I don't think they had a bad match defending that those titles and then the ongoing story and now we're gonna find out you know Kenny kind of went <laughs> went off the deep end afterwards um, that yeah they were out they went from what could have just been another little two singles guys to like really credible champs. So that was a good run. Yeah, they did their job just kind of like how Cody did his job with the TNT title, putting over singles wrestlers. That's kind of what Hangman and Kenny did for all of these young tag teams who they wrestled throughout their reign of uh, the AEW tag team championships. You knew you, you knew whatever team you threw at these two guys that they would be in good hands and they would, you know, wrestle a great match and put over, you know, these up and coming stars. And like I said, now we can have Hangman Page do a little singles work and it looks like he's drifting kind of towards the FTR stable. We'll have to wait and see. But also, Kenny Omega now, it could be cleaning time, baby. Bust out the custodial suit. The cleaner's back. This could be a long, nice uh, story, slow burn. Uh, I think I'm going to invest my feelings into this one and really see it grow. Um, I can't wait to see well, what and, uh, direction they take it. Yeah, where are they going? I mean, like, the least likely to be a heel out of all this now is Hangman Page because it's like mm-hmm. Kenny and the Young Bucks are starting to act like dicks. So where are they, you know, are they going to kind of go heel? Uh, you know, I feel like coming out of all this, Kenny 
you know, because there's these rumors of a horseman, and I think it's going to be horseman versus Tully's group and all that. I'm thinking, like, you know, Cody, Hangman, they're going to be the good guys coming out of this, and whoever else. Um, but, yeah, I don't know where Kenny and um, the Bucks go out of this. That's what I love about it. No yeah, idea where I the story's going. I don't know if you guys noticed, but I think as Kenny was walking out of the building after the match with the Young Bucks, I, he was saying some different things to them. And I swear I heard him say the word cleaner to them. Um, so I don't know. I'd have to go back and rewatch it. Maybe it's my mind wanting that to be the case. But if that is the case, I, I'm totally on board with you guys. I would love to see the cleaner version of Kenny Omega I, come back. I don't know if I don't I didn't catch if he literally said that, but I wouldn't be surprised because he was kind of like, all right, essentially saying like, like, we got to do something different here. The kid gloves are off. Like, I, I'm done with, you know, he kind of was setting that up. So mm-hmm. if he said those words, I think it would have fit kind of what he was doing. And it, like sort of that, you know, you're either with me or against me kind of thing. And yeah, it'll be good. It's time. The crowd has been begging for it. And honestly, I think All Out is kind of like, the season finale for like AEW, if we kind of bookmark uh, AEW's existence, this could be, you know, like end of season one from all out of last year to now, or this could be the end of season two, however you want to do it. Now it's like, this is a great benchmark to see the path that Kenny Omega takes. Yep. Um, Last match uh, that was on the card, Johnny Moxley champion versus MJF. Uh, The boys on the pod, Matt and Steve picked MJF to to win it. How'd that go for y'all, boys? Uh, you well, you know, take I, it back. No, I don't because I'll tell you what happened. John Moxley cheated. His he used an illegal move to win. <laughs> I, I we were headed towards being right, but you know we underestimated the heinous acts of the champion. Yeah, I mean, obviously. John Moxley's the heel in this match. MJF 2020 all the way, baby. Yeah, he spoke truth the whole way. True that. How about those baby pictures of him, huh? Did you see those? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God, how hilarious. It looks just like him, but just like in a baby body. <laughs> Maybe it was funny. on Rosie O'Donnell? I didn't, I didn't know, know that. In case, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with these pictures, we'll put them up on Instagram. By the way, make sure you follow us on Instagram at KeepTheKFabe, and you'll see baby pictures of MJF amongst other hilarious wrestling-related content. Yeah, you won't it's be adorable. disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the match was, you know, it was fun. I, I liked it. I, you know, it got a little blood in there. It was like, it was really a aggressive. Little. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah, that was that's an understatement. Um, and um, yeah, and it was um, vicious match, which you know, which we've come to expect from John Moxley and MGF fit right into that. You know, he wasn't hamming it up. He was like, you know, he came in with his ruthless aggression to coin a term that's never been used before. And uh, yeah, it was uh, your buddy Wardlow kind of you know tried to help and well didn't didn't help. Nope. Um, oh, I love him. Last week, Give me I made the victory. Yeah. Last week, I made a comment um, just talking about John Moxley and how he's rated as the number one wrestler from PWI. Um, but nevertheless, still thought maybe they were going to go with MJF in this match. Obviously, I was wrong. From a business standpoint, it makes more sense to go with your number one rated wrestler in the world right now. So, makes sense. Um, and I also think after watching this match, 
Yeah, I'm totally back on the John Moxley bandwagon. Um, MJF is a great wrestler. As far as being a great mouthpiece, he is good in the ring too. Um, I do, especially after seeing this match, I do think he needs a little more work on the the upper mid card, I would say, just to really get um, his technical game down a little bit more and to a point where when he does talk and make promises, he 100% can back it up in the ring. Or he just has enough antics and has the decks stacked enough where you know he's going to win. Um, so he still wrestled a fantastic match. I thought this was one of his better matches. Um, so hats off to him for that. I do still think he has a little way to go before he's ready for another championship match. He's got nothing but time. He's, what, 24? It's crazy. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I yeah, I think that's a great insight. And I think um I wonder if I wondered this when I watched the Battle Royal, did the did that kind of make the conclusion of the match more like you, you know you wouldn't necessarily see the murder hawk versus MJF. So I wonder when Lance Archer won if that I think that kind of to me gave me less confidence MJF was gonna win. Cause yeah. uh unless they kind of made Archer sort of a brutal good guy, but eh. Yeah. You guys can give me a slow cap because if you listen to episode four, uh, it's almost like I had the pencil. I said Lance Archer was going to win the Casino Royale. I said John Moxley's going to win the match. It's going to set up the title clash. Mike, this Boy. is episode four. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Last episode. <laughs> So, yeah, I thought it was MJF's best match. That's why another reason I didn't pick him to win because he wasn't at the wrestling caliber. Was it his best match that he wrestled? It was It was up there for sure. He yeah. looked great. Um, and I like the white boots um, and the American flag Speedo. I, he's working it. You know, I feel like this is a recurring theme that we keep saying, but like now I'm dying to know what's next for MJF. He 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 called his shot. He did his big political statements. He went after Moxley and failed. I mean, they could prolong the story because Moxley used the finisher that was banned and he could claim that's bullshit and blah, blah, blah. So they might get another match out of this, although you got the murder hawk waiting. And I don't know how that works. Is he like, when you win that battle royal, do you get the immediate next title shot or... Uh, that's a great so. question. JR actually raised that question during the show and kind of said, well, we'll have to find out. So yeah. I guess we're yet to find out. Um, one other thing I do want to bring up about this match, uh, and Steve and I were kind of talking about this before we started the podcast tonight, uh, is Justin Roberts, the ring announcer. So I thought Justin Roberts' announcement of John Moxley in this match was both fantastic and a little funny at the same time. Um, and I think it's fantastic because if you were to just listen to the audio, you think to yourself, wow, this guy's Bruce Buffer Jr. in the making. Um, but then you see him in the background while he's doing the announcement and with just kind of a blank expression on his face, almost like he's a deer caught in the headlights. And unfortunately, since this is an audio podcast, I can't do it justice. But um, yeah, just his expression does not match whatever he's saying. Um, I and this is me kind of giving my two cents on Justin Roberts. I think he's a good ring announcer um, for some wrestlers. For a lot of wrestlers, I feel like he builds up to like a really high crescendo. And then the last syllable of his announcement is kind of like, oh, like it just sort of dies off. I, Steve, I, I know we talked about this a little bit before. 
I'm curious to know what your thoughts are about this guy. <laughs> I gotta admit, I've never liked Justin Roberts, and it's kind of <laughs> it's funny because I just first of all, I can't stand how he says Jan. Like, <laughs> yes. like it's John. Right. His name's I, not his name's not Jan. It's John. I was actually gonna bring this up. I think we should all do our best impressions of the John Moxley. So, Steve, that was yours. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm just checking to see where my dog is so I don't scare her. Yep, in the <laughs> back room. All right. Matt, do you want to go first? Do you want to rock, paper, scissors? Who goes first? Me or no, you? No, I, I, I can go ahead and go first. And I'm just going right. to preface this with the fact that um, there are people sleeping in the house. So hopefully I don't wake them up when I say, John Moxley. It's something like that. And Steve's right. pulling his headphones away from his ears, which I don't blame him. <laughs> All right, let, I'll try not to wake up your dog either, Steve. Here we go. Yeah, <laughs> Oh my God, hey. who invited Justin Roberts to the show? Yeah. Hey, welcome, we Justin. Had him on the line. Uh, yeah, I don't know what the hell he's doing with that. It's, I, I'll admit, you have, I, I've always struggled to, with him. You have to the, pretend to be like constipated when you. Yeah, say yeah, like mm-hmm. like. That's, but yeah, when you're constipated though, you make a face like, like to, to Matt's point, it's like, it was funny. He was doing that Jan thing and I was expecting him like really getting really wet. <laughs> and it's like, he was just saying, John Moxley, like his face, <laughs> like it's, he's, it's interesting. And then, Hi, like I'm he Justin. does other weird things and I can't, um, I can't think of a name where he does this, but he'll do like the first name, super soft. And it'd be like, Lance. Archer, like oh like, yeah, there you go. Got, yeah, good. yeah. It's it's just I don't know. I don't Santana. hate him. Santana and Ortiz. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I, I don't despise him, but it's just it's not you know I don't know. I I, I, I prefer the Gary Michael Capetas of the past and uh, and others. Yeah, I uh, this is one situation where I will give WWE a ton of credit. Um, Greg Hamilton is the ring announcer for SmackDown. He's probably my favorite ring announcer of all time, and that's going up above you know like JoJo Finkel and some of the other greats. So when you were saying Greg Hamilton, I thought you were going to say Greg the Hammer Valentine. Ah, yeah. Sorry, Greg. Thanks for listening, buddy. Yeah, yeah, episode four. Sorry, we still couldn't squeeze you in. Maybe, maybe soon. Maybe episode twelve. You 16. know, not. I, I kind of feel like I can't give him too much. Like, like that. For those of you that uh, um, aren't part of our, you know, uh, texts, which are all of you, um, <laughs> Mike shared like a something that that Greg the Hammer Valentine was it an Instagram where he talked about Roddy Piper. I thought that was yeah. super touching. Where he was just what ta- touching. He was commemorating Roddy's passing and talked about what he cried like four hours and like My God. Yeah. yeah. Ah, I had a bunch of beer that night and I was like ready to like kind of break down a little bit seeing that yeah. little puggy face of Greg Greg with Roddy and wow. Yeah. Greg the <laughs> Hammer Valentine. It's it, great great Instagram follow to follow too, guys. If you're not uh, following Keep the Cape Cape already, follow Greg the Hammer Valentine. You'll love it. He's yeah, going to be he, doing a live meet and greet in New York uh, coming up. Wow. I'm if only break. I was in that area. Yeah, if, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd be willing to break quarantines and stuff to see that. Big time. Well, let's uh, review the records uh, because... I'm not, sure that's nece- Dave, I'm not sure that's the record, necessary. Just like in AEW, the records matter. Uh, keep the kayfabe, we'll keep them going. 
uh, as you guys were kind of giving me a little razzing and ribbing last episode that I was jobbing out, turns out that I came out on top with the best record. I'm starting off at five and one. And since you guys were playing the best friends, you guys wrapped up uh, all out with a record of three and three. So, you know, 500. It's not bad, but it's not five and one. So I, I think it's always telling when the person that's writing down the uh, results is leading. I think, you know, I'd, I'd be interested in this math. Yeah, the winners write history. But keep in mind, three and three booking is just what we like to call long-term storytelling. So yeah. I'm more about the slow burn personally. So enjoy yeah. your reign while you can. I'll see you next year. Yeah. Well, you'll just have to come and uh, keep uh, listening to Keep the Kayfabe, everybody, to see how Steve, uh, Matt, and I all finish up on our other production shows for future pay-per-views. Is there anything else that we want to talk about tonight, boys? Oh, Finn Balor. Did you guys see? Well, I guess there's. I guess I'm not watching that now. No. <laughs> well, you knew he was going to win. I suspected that uh, here. Okay, since you spoiled it, uh, let me predict what happened. Did uh, did um, oh who the hell's the punter? I just lost his name. Oh, Pat McAfee. Did Pat McAfee screw over Adam Cole? I have no clue. I didn't watch it. Oh, okay. Well, well, we'll see. We can edit this part out. We don't. We can. Uh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's... We don't. We don't have to. I just thought I'd uh, just by uh, check. So we're spoiling the match ending without going over the details of how it happened. Right. And Jack Dawson dies in Titanic. Uh, no. <laughs> well, this has been a very crushing episode of keep the cafe. Yeah. Some listeners. This one just hit the propeller. Oh boy. I'll never let go. <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun boys. I look yeah. forward to uh, our next episode and, um, Everybody have a great rest of your week, and thanks for listening to Keep the Kayfabe. Keep it. Hammer time. Peace.